Here to discuss all things NRL, AFL, and anything sports related. Please give a warm Aussie g'day to the footy fanatic and America's own Corey Jackson in Outside the Sheds. Greetings, salutations, and welcome. Welcome to another finals edition of Outside the Sheds. I'm your host, Corey Jackson, and I welcome you to this most beautiful time of the year. Shedheads, I'm going to say something right now. This hasn't been my best postseason of, of picks, trying to lead you to the promised land of wealths and riches, new rings for your wives, expensive vacations with you and your children. No, it hasn't. But what it's shown me is that, for one, your Shedadamus is human, but two, it's also shown me why we love the games that we love and why sport is so important and integral in our lives because we can never guarantee or pick games that we really aren't taking a part in. We're just guessing. We're just trying to get a stomach feel of what's getting ready to happen. And I think this all started and, and, and really showed its head in the AFL and in the NRL this season with one, the Penny Panthers going down week one of the finals. No one saw that happening. I think everyone had it in maybe number two pen that it was going to be the Storm and the Panthers meeting in the grand final. And then I don't think anybody saw the Western Bulldogs pulling a 2016 and making a run to the finals and waking it to the grand final like they've done. It's just, it's, 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 it's what makes sport so beautiful is that we don't know what can actually transpire in a playoff situation or in, in any game situation. That being said, let's go on to finals week two. Uh, and again, I, I missed the ball on this one. Because the Sea Eagles dominated the Chooks 42-6 on Friday night. And from the start, you just got this sensation like, oops. Well, for one, I said, oops, I got this one wrong. But two, you just had this feeling that Manly was here to show that the week before against the Storm was forgotten. And that they were ready to show what they really were. And, uh, and boy, did we get to feel that one full, full force. And then in the other final game, the Panthers 8, the Eagles 6. You know, for the purists, it was one of those games to be remembered because it wasn't just a tri-fest. It was defense. It was hard hits. You know, I think everybody came out of a tackle wincing or wincing from being hit or wincing from a tackle they had inflicted in that match. And it was kind of strange how the match ended, which we're going to get into here shortly when I, we go over these two matches. But uh, it definitely was one of those hard-hitting, old-school footy games uh, that really make you almost want to take a cold bath after even watching it. Now, let's get into these games a little, a little bit more detail. And like I said, I sure got that first one wrong. Uh, the Chooks really showed, I think, what this season had really inflicted on that team. A year of, of injuries, retirements. Uh, setbacks in a lot of different ways, different line combinations, and I think it finally just was too much. And I think we saw that because it wasn't that James Tedesco had a bad game. It was just that James Tedesco really wasn't in the forefront. And and that's unusual for James. You know, I'm saying Teddy is one of those players that, you know, everyone is thinking is, is one of the greatest players in the game at this current time. And he was getting ready to go head-to-head, -head, and we know how competitive players can be when they go head-to-head -head against somebody of their 
um, you know, of their same position on another team that's also known as a great one in Tom Trubojevich. And and Teddy just just like all of the thing about the Chooks, they just they just weren't firing, and they were down eighteen and nothing to Manly before they got their first try. And I think by that point we already knew that the writing was on the wall that Manly was here to do what Manly was going to do. Um, and, and Turbo was there to show that, you know, that yes, he had a bad game against against Melbourne, and, and Melbourne had a lot to do with that. The storm. The Storm did what they needed to do to shut down Trevojevic. Uh, I think a lot of people would like to see a rematch of this in the grand final just to truthfully see, is you know is the Storm really kryptonite for Trevojevic or was that just a bad game? Uh, we don't know if we're going to see this, but one thing we do know is that the Sea Eagles were not going to be slowed down. They weren't going to be stopped and they were going to put the Roosters to the sword, which they did. Uh, now, the, the victory sets up a really intriguing battle, again, when we get into the picks for, for the preliminary final coming up, between the Storm, excuse me, between the uh, Brabitos and the Seagulls. And, and I think a lot of people are, I think both these preliminary finals are going to be really, really incredible in different ways. But I think it, it's a matter of, does the Bunnies have enough to slow down the Travojevic Express? And I think that's what we're going to have to to wait to see uh, when this when this match happens. But uh, impressive, impressive victory by Manly, and I think and you have to at the same time say hats off to the Sydney Roosters that they even made it as far as they did, that they even showed the strike they did to get this far. Uh, they almost shouldn't have even beat Gold Coast like we talked about the week before, but somehow they got through it and they got to uh, week two of the finals. So hats off to Robbo, and and I and I still say that to me that's the coaching performance of the year. You know, I know a lot of people think it's between it's, it's between Bellyache, him, uh, Robbo, and 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 Desi. Desi's back, um, but I to myself I, I I've got to give it to I've got to give it to Robbo just for what he did to get that team up week in and week out, and for them to play the way they did showed a belief in. In, in, in Trent Robinson and the Roosters' way. And I think that's what what a coach, that the coach of the year deserves to do. I'm saying there's no other one of those three coaches that we talked about or those two coaches we talked about besides Robbo who had to go through uh, that much of a loss. Yes, uh, Desi had to go through it with the loss of Turbo, but he still had predominantly the same team. He still had DCE. He still had, um, you know, Saab. He still had... Uh, uh, Kieran Foran, he had a lot of his players still. Now, did he have the Ferrari? No, he did not have that. That was in the garage. But Robbo, to me, coach of the year, and hats off to the Roosters for the season they had, uh, even with the trials and tribulations they had to go through. Now, to me, the second game was the one that was just a little baffling. Uh, it was an incredible defensive match, like we said, and, and it had everything that you would, that you would want from a match. Of, of old, hard-hitting ilk. But I think the biggest thing that, that came out of the match is what place do these on-field trainers slash runners have on the match, on the game itself? And should they be able to call a stop and, and, and draw the attention of a referee for a player that's down that's not even in the field of play in the direction the play is going? And I really think the Eels have a, a, a real argument and a real, uh, 
have a real reason to take a stand in this. And I think this is going to be corrected in the offseason. I think a lot about the game is going to be corrected in the corrected corre Let's say this again. Corrected in the offseason. And I think this is a major one because I think when you look at the play of the ball, the Eels were taken out of their strike. They were taken out of their flow by that whistle, the stoppage of play. And I think, again, it caused that, I, I guess, foul up, the drop of the ball, whatever, because momentum had been broken. The flow had been broken. It gave players a chance and time to think about how big the repercussions, the ramifications of the next two minutes was going to be. And that, that shouldn't be the case. And when you see the trainer running down the sideline trying to get the match official and, had, and not even checking on his player yet to even see how injured his player was, I think you see there's a problem here. Now, a lot of people have watched the series, uh, you know, about the Tigers, you know, the West Tigers, and we're going to get into this debacle in a few moments. But there was a scene in that in that docu-series where Madge is blowing up into his microphone, stop the game, stop the bloody game. And to me, you shouldn't be able to stop the game because momentum isn't going your way. Play isn't going your way. That is your job now to wrestle that from the other team. Not by stopping of the game, not by stopping momentum, but you wrestling momentum away. You changing it by your play on the field. And that's what the NRL's got to get right here. They've got to get it right. And, and, and it's sad to see that game that I think did have a lot positive about it to be, for this to be kind of the primary thing that we're talking about uh, coming out of it. But it, it definitely needs to be addressed. And I think I said going into these finals that there were going to be some decisions that were made from the officiating crews that were going to leave a black eye going forward. And we can't have that. You just, you just can't have that. Uh, I did not see much today in the way of, uh, of bad officiating. I, you know, I watched, and we'll talk about this in the 4020, about the Super League uh, playoffs started. And I watched how the game was officiated in different there than it is in the NRL. And uh, it, it just has a quicker flow to it about certain things. There isn't a hesitancy about how to make calls, how to do calls. It's just make the call, let's get on with it. Make the call, let's go on, get on with it. That whole bunker thing of calling down and all this type of stuff, it's 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 been missed. And I think that we need to get that under control quickly. Even if we have to really put a stop on everything bunker except them looking at a try, which I think should be the should be the, the case. Um, anyway. But uh I will tell you the Eels performance to me, again, was the other, the second big point coming out of this. And yes, the in, a couple of the injuries for the Penrith Panthers, you know, we really don't know how bad uh, Nathan Cleary's uh, shoulder might be after we kind of pulled out of a tackle, which I was kind of curious about and, and has been kind of kind of been brushed over and not talked about a lot. Uh, and then Kickout has that injured, Big Billy Kickout has that injured ankle. And I don't think we know the, the, the severity and the damage of that ankle, too. But to me, the other, the really driving point of this was the heart that the Parramatta Eels showed and how they saved Brad Arthur's job in a loss. And that's something you don't see a lot in sport, is that a, is that a coach saves his job from a loss. 
And that loss was the, the heart that the Eels showed, the defensive swagger, the defensive stalwart ability that they they shut down a Penrith squad. And, and truthfully, I think you have to say they outplayed the Penrith Panthers. Yes, the Penny Panthers won the game. But if you if you look at the two teams, I just got the feeling that, that, that the Eels were playing the better game, the whole game. And they just did not come over the top late like it looked like they were going to. And... I think that is is kudos for Brad Arthur. I think that a lot of people called him in question when he sat a bunch of players uh, and let them rest that week and let them get away when it looked like the wheels were falling off the car, and it didn't happen. They got they got it back under control. They started playing for one another again, and I think that's why you saw probably the better team not win that game uh, between the Eels and the Panthers, but. Hats off to a great season for the Eels. I know it's it didn't finish the way um, that a lot of people thought, and and my condolences to 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 Dom and and to that Eels family that I love so much, the Gonzalezes, as they uh, deal with that loss. Uh, even though I know Sonya's fine, but that's something totally different. But um, really, really intriguing two games uh, for finals week two, and setting up for an incredible preliminary final. And now what do we got? We now have the Panthers and the Storm going to play in a, in a prelim final, number one versus number two, when a lot of people thought that was going to be the final. So I guess some people might say we're getting the final a week early. But that is going to be a, an incredible match. Um, and I, it's, it might surprise you the way that I'm going with that when we get to our picks here shortly. Now let's go into the 40-20. And, and my 40-20 is maybe the reason that I'm, I'm – I'm, kind of recording this podcast at a different time and uh, I know we switched to a Thursday night podcast um, that you're seeing that I'm releasing it and that's because the finals but I got a chance today to watch the first game of the Super League uh, finals which are playoffs they're calling it now and uh, the Bedford Super League come on let's get it going it was kind of an exciting game and I have to tell you it was one of the most nervous games that I felt for a while because it was a one-and-done scenario. The Wigan Warriors against the Leeds Rhinos. And and it really was that game where you just felt that you didn't know what was going to happen, for one. Uh, yes, Wigan was the higher-ranked team coming into it. But it didn't feel like it. It felt like it was anybody's match. And, and, it, and it finished and went into half tied at zero. And I think that was the first time that had ever happened for the Bedford Super League, that a match went to halftime 0-0. And it took Ash Hanley's try in the second half to to break that drought. But I will tell you, that that game, it it had it all, but I don't know if I've seen two teams, you know, Leeds couldn't get out of their way with mistake after mistake after mistake. And Wigan, it's fascinating to watch a team that has the caliber of, of, of player on it, but just could not could not find any strike whatsoever. Like, you know, and, and you're talking about, you know, Jackson Hastings running the club, you know, the Man of Steel a couple seasons ago. You know, and it was it was very, very strange. It, it, it was very, very fascinating to me how tough it's been for Wigan to score points this year. Uh, and and it manifested with them with them losing um, the match eight to nothing today, um, and it was cool to see the leads. You know this Leeds team and and the voice that crowd had for that Leeds team upsetting Wigan. 
but just just but but a very very strange but very uh very much a game that that had you on edge you know and I really didn't have a dog in the fight it was just me watching a game or you just felt both these teams so nervous that this could be over with this season that they've put so much into this covid stricken season where games hadn't been finished or or should I say played because of covid and and all but it also with the loss for the Wigan Warriors brought the end to some tenures on that club because head coach Adrian Lamb isn't coming back next season. Lockie Lamb's dad, who's been the coach there for two seasons and had his team within, you know, a goalpost bounce away from being right there to win the grand final. Um, he's not coming back. He's stepping down. He's stepping aside. Uh, and there's no real talk of where he's going uh, and, and what his next, his next endeavor is going to be. But he is, he is now gone. And then you have to talk about Jackson Hastings and, and Oliver Gildard, who are both leaving the club. Uh, Jackson Hastings and Gildard both going to the West Tigers for 2022. So good luck to them on that. Uh, maybe we, sh- we should start saying prayers for them to actually even go into that 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 debacle of an organization at this current time. But you know, it was it it, it was really sad. It was really sad to see because you knew that. You know, if one club lost, that meant that there was going to be quite a few players that were not going to be back for those clubs the next year. So, uh, really good match. Uh, very, very, yeah, like I said, I, I'm still a little bit kind of shook thinking what I saw. But congratulations congratulations to Leeds for winning that. Now, tomorrow, Gareth Whittup and the Warrington Wolves take on SKD, Sean Kenny Dowell, and the Hall Kingston Rovers Robins in a big match. Now, the winner of that match is going to play um, either St. Helens or the Catlins Dragons in the semifinals next weekend Will Leeds takes on the other. So it, it just depends who wins of how the, 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 the semifinals are going to match up. But those are, that's going to be a good match tomorrow. That's going to be a good match. And, I, and I, I'm leaning towards uh, Warrington winning that. I think Gareth Whittup is playing some incredible football and and I think that that the uh, Wolves will find a way to beat Hall KR, but um, it's going to be a good one, and definitely one I'll be watching. So, uh, congrats to the Bedford Super League, uh, getting close to finishing their season up. Sixteen days left, boys. Sixteen days left. Now, after that excitement of talking about uh, the Bedford Super League finals and and playoffs, we have to delve into, I would say, the topic and the story. Uh, that kind of took over the rugby league world in the NRL for the week, and that would be the West Tigers being the West Tigers. Once again, the Tigers have found a way to take another step backwards because it looks like they're getting ready to fire Madge. They're supposed to have a special council meeting at a 4.30 time that at 2.30 gets postponed, right? And it sounds like that they were going to announce that McGuire was was gone. And then it comes out that Madge, whose family had been on vacation, had one last chance to, to sell his case on why he should come back to be the Tigers coach. And somehow that decision and that interview that Madge had changed the entire thought process of the West Tigers and their administration and their powers to be. And they said, you know what? We're keeping Madge. Now, 
If you are not a West Tigers fan and you're just sitting on the outside looking at the Tigers, are you looking at yourself going, what the hell is that club doing? Like, that would not that would not pass for the Roosters. That would not pass for the Storm. That would not pass for the Broncos. That would not pass for pretty much any other club in the NRL. But somehow the West Tigers have found a way to not, how should I say, give Madge McGuire the sword. And I think a lot of this has to do with with two things. The $750,000 they were going to have to pay out if they got rid of Madge. And two, the big one is I think the guy they want, Cameron Sorello, the assistant coach for the Penrith Panthers, says he is not negotiating, he's not talking to any teams until after the Panthers season. And I think they were holding out, holding out, holding out, seeing if the Panthers were going to get knocked out. And when they didn't get knocked out and the Eels did not beat them, I think they were like, well, we don't know what's going to happen. And what happens if we fire Madge? And then Sorello says, yeah, I'm not coming over there. Now they're really stuck between a rock and a hard place. And so, again, Madge is let off the hook. But I think what this really shows me is just the incompetence of the upper administration of the West Tigers. And I think it starts with CEU Justin Pascal. And I think that he has proven time and time again that he just he has no clue. I'm saying if you look at the players and the all-stars that the West Tigers have lost, Tedesco, Moses, Adokar, Pappenhausen, etc., etc., and then you look at the ability of them not being able to bring in top-end talent. And I know that Jackson Hastings, to me, could be a really key signing for the Tigers. But again, you're bringing him into a cluttered situation where you still have Luke Brooks sitting there. And I know deep down, I don't think the Tigers want Luke Brooks. I think think it would be better for the Tigers and Luke Brooks if they both went in an opposite direction. But no one can make a hard decision on Luke Brooks. And if you look at what Luke Brooks has done, he's been maybe the major reason they've lost Tedesco, Moses, and, and a key number of players because they put all their backing behind Luke Brooks. So again, that shows you that you have an upper administration that cannot gauge and, and, and tell what talent looks like. Do people people forget that they were trying to say that Luke Brooks was the next Andrew Johns years ago? How close is this guy coming? This Andrew Johns won championships, premierships. Luke Brooks can't get to the team to the finals. He can't get him to the playoffs. So I think this is a real, you know, I know uh, Sheens is coming. And I know that they're saying that Sheens is going to now be uh, ahead of coaching and, and watching over coaching and working time and time again with Madge and helping him sort blah, 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 blah. This is also the same Tim Sheens that the Tigers fired. The only coach that had success with the club, the guy they fired, they're bringing back to oversee coaching. I'm going to tell you right now, Shedheads, Madge McGuire starts the season on the hot seat, and I don't think he makes it past week six next season in 2022. But what that tells me is now the Tigers have already flushed 2022 down the the toilet, down the bowl, and now you're not looking until 2023 for them to do anything again. So you've just, if you're a Tigers fan, you have just mortgaged your future another year that you're just going to have to sit back and pay money for, for, for memberships and buy gear and buy all this type of stuff 
and you don't have an administration that's helping you have any reason to be excited. You look at the players that are on the market right now that they could sign. Tyrone Peachy. Yeah, hey, no matter how much the Peach is, is an all right player, he's not going to change the fortunes of the West Tigers. He's not. You don't have the type of guys that are going to come in that you can sign from what they from the pool of players that are out there right now that are going to change the West Tigers into making them a team that's going to make it into the eight. Not happening. Not happening. It's just, it's, it, it baffles my mind. I, when they got blown out that last game of the season, I thought, finally, they've shown they don't want to play for this guy. They've given up. Let's get this going in a different directions. And somehow, the Tigers have found a way to keep a guy that has done nothing but regress. If you look at the last, they've dropped every season Madge has been there for the next year, down the standings. And the problem is that you have to worry about is that Canterbury is not getting the wooden spoon next year. The Bulldogs have Gus Gould there, and they've got players coming in, Addo Carr's coming there. The Bulldogs are not finishing bottom of the table next year. So I guess the Tigers now have another two spots or three spots they can drop, and let's see if if, if maybe we can just give Matt another five-year extension on his career. Let's do that, Justin Pasco and the rest of those guys. Let's see what you can do there disgraceful just disgraceful and 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 i i don't want to get bogged down shed heads i don't want to bring us down because we're at an incredible time of year with the finals here but i i I don't i don't have anything else to say it is what it is uh tigers nation west tigers fans um i'm saying my prayers for you now the finalists for the daily m awards have been named and i think we all knew who was going to be there but let's go over those finalists again Daily Cherry Evans, Nathan Cleary, James Tedesco, Tom Dravojevic, and Cody Walker. This race is probably too close to call. I've heard some people say that the Cody Walker is going to sneak in there and steal this thing. I've heard that Tom Dravojevic is the best player in the game. I don't think any of us know who's going to win this. I just think we know for sure they got the best players. That for sure, that list of players definitely are the guys that deserve to be there for the Daily M. So it's going to be interesting to, who, who, to see who wins that because you could make a point for all of those guys why they should have a chance to, uh, to, to win that award. But besides that, um, some awards have been announced already. Uh, the Ken Irvine medal, Alex Johnston won that. The tackle of the year went to Xavier Coates. Top point scorer went to Ruben Garrick. I call him the, the, the cash register because that guy, ching 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 with those field goals. And then Tribe of the Year went to that crazy turbo Tom Travojevic, Ruben Garrick, coast-to-coast charge uh, that we got to see a couple weeks ago. So those are the awards so far. Uh, it's also going to be interesting to see who the Coach of the Year is. We already talked about that a little bit earlier. I would give it to uh, Robbo without thinking twice. But uh, the awards are coming up. So next Monday, I guess, is, is when, when all these awards will be named fully. And we'll see who your Daily M winner is. Now, as season's coming to win, we know also, um, uh, how do we say this, careers come to an end as well. And we just had an announcement for a guy that I have watched since the, since I've watched the game, but uh, Isaac, a little bully Luke, has announced his retirement from the game. 
Luke made his debut in 2007 with the South Sydney Rabbitohs. And he racked up a career of 286 games and played for the Rabbitohs, Warriors, Dragons, and Broncos during that time and tenure. Uh, the Little Bully also had 43 test appearances for the Kiwis. It was on that 2008 club with Benji and the boys that actually won the World Cup. So Isaac Luke, one of my favorite players to watch. Uh, the guy played with heart, he played with tenacity, and he always played with an edge like a little bulldog. So congratulations to a great career for, for Isaac Luke and uh, good luck in the future and see where you, where you end up if you stay in the game in some way. Now, as we talk about some retirements, we also talk about some player movement. And Ryan James has been released from his two-year contract with the Canterbury Raiders and has signed a one-year deal to go back up to the Gold Coast and Queensland. And he's signed on with the Brisbane Broncos and Kevies boys for a one-year deal. So it's good to see that Ryan James is, is going to be able to finish his career up in the Sunshine area, up in the, up in the Gold Coast slash uh, Queensland-Brisbane area and that he is going to be part of that resurrection of Kevy, the, the, the mounting, the ascending B Brisbane Broncos. So congrats to Ryan James for finding a new deal. And then now it's official. Like I tipped last week on last week's episode of Outside the Sheds, Billy Slater has been f officially named and inked as, a, as the coach for the Queensland Maroons, a two-year deal that finds Billy coming back. Billy's saying that he really wants to get the uh, the young players, wants to get everything in line for the future of the game to get uh, Queensland back to where it should be on top. And I think by every means, you know, Billy Slater can do that. Now, the question to me is who he's going to bring in with coaches. And we talked about this last week is that is going to be key for me about his success with the Maroons is who Billy Slater gets to come with him to coach this team to help him with choices, that type of thing, to take the Maroons going forward. But uh, I know it's an exciting time. I think a lot of a lot of Maroons fans were hoping that it was going to be Billy Slater. Now the question is, what Billy Slater does with it. But uh, congratulations for Queensland Rugby League to making on the making their final decision, and congratulations to Billy Slater on being named their new coach. Now, as we go into the preliminary final, let's go into this. Now, what the crazy thing about this is only one of these games is on TV here in America, over here in the States. And it's the first one, the Rabbitohs versus the Sea Eagles. Tonight, whatever you want to say, tomorrow morning, uh, Friday night, we'll just call it that way, uh, at Suncorp Stadium, Rabbitohs versus the Sea Eagles will be on Fox Sports 2. And I'm going to say this. This is one I, as I've gone to recording time, I hadn't picked a lot like that one from last week. But I'm going to, I'm going to stay with with Wayne Bennett. I'm going to think. I think the Rabbitohs are going to find a way to win. Um, I know a lot of people think that you know the strike is probably with the Sea Eagles, but it's so tough to pick up to pick against Wayne Bennett. It's just, it's just tough during this time. He's got, he's got the bunnies playing. Uh, the type of football that you need to play in finals to actually make it to a, a grand final and to win a grand final. So it's tough for me to pick against him. So I'm going to go with the Rabbitohs uh, for the victory over the Seagulls tonight. And then tomorrow, the big one, one versus two, Storm versus the Panthers. And I, I have to just say, for a team that hasn't been able to, to, to score more than two tries in their first two weeks of the finals, I've got to go with the Melbourne Storm. I think you've given Bellyache a chance to sit back and to look what he needs to do 
You're also talking about a, te- a, a, a Craig Bellamy side that shut down Turbo. You know that they're going to run and run and run at Nathan Cleary. So I, I, I can't pick against the Mubbin Storm. I can't. I think they're making it to the grand final, which is going to set up a Storm Rabbitohs grand final and one that I'm very eager to watch. But like I said, the crazy thing about that is this match isn't on TV here in the States, so you're going to have to find a way to watch it. Uh, that's sad that it's not going to be live. I thought for sure that it would be. Um, but because they changed the time the time frame and, like I said, trying to help the Melbourne people since the Melbourne Storm are invited or a part of it because the grand final for the AFL is that the, is going to be that evening. So um, it looks like Fox Sports 2 is going just with the AFL grand final, which I have no problem with. Now, let's go into our AFL. Let's go into that other code, and let's start off with on the mark. And the big news, uh, this dead period, getting ready for the grand final here in the next day, is the Brownlow medal. The Brownlow medal goes to Ollie Wines. And Ollie Wines becomes the first Port Adelaide player to win the Brownlow, which is fascinating to think about, but, you know, as you look at it, yes, you know, it is the case. And he beat out Marcus Ponapelli 36-33 to in the voting scheme. But Ollie Wines, I guess, is putting a little bit of shine back into that Port Adelaide season by winning the Brownlow. And I think he would rather switch that award uh, with Marcus Ponapelli and, and him be playing in the grand final instead of Marcus Ponapelli saying, you can have that Brownlow. I think I'll take my team into another grand final. But uh, congratulations, Ollie Wines. I know that there was talk about him not even being with Port Adelaide a couple seasons ago. He had had a falling out with Ken Hinckley, and they seemed to have righted that ship. And if you listen to Ollie Wines talk about it, he said the moment that he finally started to listen to Ken Hinckley and got out of the way of their communication and started to follow his lead uh, was the beginning of him changing his, his career. And he says is the reason that he is putting that medal around his neck right now. So congratulations to Ollie Wines on that big, big Brownlow victory. Now, as we talk about victories, we also have to talk about losses. And still, uh, man, the the purge of coaches at the Geelong Cats right now after their dreadful end of their season with the beatdown by the uh, by the D's, it, it just it just comes to show you that um, it, it is a brutal time, and the game is very very brutal. But uh, Corey Enright, forwards coach, Matthew Knights, midfield coach. And Matthew Scarlett, backline coach, have all left the club. And Scarlett being the last one, just leaving now. So, some major turnover happening with the Geelong Cats. And, you know, that's something that doesn't happen often. I'm saying one of the things about Geelong is that they kind of stay the course. But I think it also shows you the frustration with this, with that, with that loss did to a lot of the power brokers and a lot of the, play, the, the you know, the powers that be with that club they possibly don't see themselves going forward uh, any deeper with what they have. Uh, and Scott's not going anywhere. Um, and you know they're getting older, so they I guess they feel like they just need a little bit of a different buzz around that camp. But uh, really strange going-ons at the Geelong Cats. But one thing you have to say about Geelong, they've proven time and time again that they're one of the top clubs in the, in, in the competition. So they'll get it right. It's just a question of where they go and what direction they go with naming their replacements. Now, the Carlton Blues have announced their new skipper, and their new coach is Port Adelaide assistant and Brisbane Lions great Michael Voss. 
And I think that that is an interesting pick, but I think probably a good choice for their new coach. Uh, you know, Voss comes from winning traditions. He's been with Ken Hinckley at Port Adelaide since 2014. And I see that this could be, you know, I, I don't know. I think the Blues have needed a lot lately. They've needed a, a different direction. They've needed belief. Uh, and they've needed somebody who can, who can mentor young talent. And Voss has seemed to have been able to do that with Port Adelaide. Um, he's been there through some of their most successful times recently, I guess, um, being with Hinkley there. So uh, congratulations to the Blues, hopefully getting their man. I know there was talk that they were looking at Alistair Clarkson, but, you know, Clarko's just, just not ready right now to, to, to step in with another team. And he might not just want to deal with some of the headaches that the Blues, you know, um, you know bring to the, to the table. But uh, I think they got themselves a good coach. So I'm interested to see the direction that Michael Voss takes those Carlton Blues. But congratulations to both. Now, I know all of us are thinking about the AFL Grand Final. I think we're very, very excited. I think the two best clubs are going to play in that, in the D's and the Bulldogs. I think they've been the best two clubs all, all season. But unfortunately, not everybody can play in these Grand Final matches. I think we've seen that. Uh, and to me, the real heartbreaking one is that Nathan Jones... Uh, the captain who had been the captain for the D's through some of their darkest periods of time uh, did not get into any of these games and did not get picked uh, to be on the club for the grand final and, and actually left the club to go back home for the birth of his two twin daughters. Um, but more news is having to come down because it's just not Nathan Jones. And the Bulldogs have, the Bulldogs have recalled Alex Keith and Cody Whiteman, the Whiteman, uh, to the starting side for the grand final. What this means is that Latham, Vandermeer, and Ryan Gardner are the players that will miss the big game. And that's the sad part because every single one of these guys has a reason and, a, and, and has the ability to, to, to state their case of why they should be in that side. But again, you, everyone can't play. And there's going to be time and there's going to be players that unfortunately are, are going to not make that cut. And those are the two guys that didn't. But, it, but Norm Smith medalist Jason Johannesson has retained his starting spot, and he is going to be with the side that runs out for the Western Bulldogs to take on the D's in the grand final. So I'm happy for Jason Johannesson that he's going to be in there. I think he's a, a strike gun, and, and you know, you're not a Norm Smith medalist if you're not a great player. So it's good to see that he's made it and forced his way into that side and will be able to take the field for the grand final. Speaking of Grand Finals, we have it. Fox Sports 2. We've got a 4 o'clock start. I think that's when the coverage starts. Uh, FS2. Again, let me say that again. FS2. Melbourne Demons versus Western Bulldogs. You've got the Road Dogs against the Ds. And this, to me, is, is almost a coin flip game. You've got a team that finishes, even though, let's be honest, all of us think of them as a top four club because of by point differential, they don't make in the top four. And they showed it by the way they played. But you've got the Road Dogs going up against, you know, the minor premiers, probably the best team all season in the Melbourne Demons. And I'm going to have to stay that way. I'm going to have to say the club that's shown me all year, their strike, their tenacity, their heart, their grit, I'm going to go with the Melbourne Demons to, to lift the flag and to actually bring a championship back to Melbourne. The D's win the grand final is my pick. Now the guns, well, you know, we only had two games. So I'm only going to give you two guns. And because that second 
uh, final match was not too exciting. Not a lot to come out of there. I got two guns for the same team again. I've got Tom Dravojevic, two tries, 201 running meters, three line breaks, one try, try assist, 10 tackle breaks, three tackles made. And I've got Ruben Garrick, seven for seven for conversions, 143 running meters, two tackle breaks, and four tackles made. Uh, Manly, once again, doing their thing where they come in numbers and come in droves, and they prove that the Seagulls are still soaring going into the preliminary final. Now, outside the bubble, it's been a very, very strange time. Again, I think I think all of us are starting to realize that that sport is is kind of a microcosm of what's happening in the world. Uh, even though I think I just saw right before I went to air that Moderna, the the president of Moderna, says that he he says that he thinks this pandemic, this COVID pandemic, will be over in a year. So let's all knock on wood, cross our fingers, get in the prayer position to hope that he's correct. But that doesn't change everything for right now. But again, to show how strange of times it are, the Chicago White Sox, with their victory day, have won the American League Central for the first time since 2008. Tony La Russa's boys. Tony La Russa, who was alive uh, when the first flight happened in the world. No, I'm joking. Tony La Russa's not that old, even though... He seems like he is. Uh, but Tony La Russa has righted the ship and gotten the Chicago White Sox as American League Central champions and got them into the playoffs. I know we don't do a lot of MLB talk here. And I think the last time we did MLB talk, I was saying how the Padres, the Los Friars, the Swinging Friars uh, were the excitement. Can't say the Chicago White Sox are that much of an exciting team. But just like any Tony La Russa team, He's got those guys playing some some really good baseball, and it, the proof is in the pudding. Larusa gets another championship, and the White Sox win the American League Central. Uh, on the other side, the St. Louis Cardinals have now won 12 in a row, and have now really got themselves in a solid position of winning the wild card or one of the wild card positions in the National League. But the Cardinals doing what Cardinals do, playing great baseball, coming down the stretch. And, f- and letting that team flow into the finals. And I'm going to tell you something, a very dangerous team. A Cardinals team that probably will do some damage. They may not win the World Series, but they probably will knock off somebody who a lot of people thought were going to do some real, real damage. That's what the Cardinals do. That's what the St. Louis Cardinals have always done. So don't be surprised when that happens. And the last thing I want to talk about when we go into outside the bubble, I, you know, we could talk about Ryder Cup. You know me. You've, you've been listening to this podcast for a while. I'm not a golf guy. I know the Ryder Cup is happening. I know Braitha Nasta. He's getting more grays on the side of his head because he's so excited by the Ryder Cup and that his sleep is going to be so off because he's going to be watching finals and trying to stay up and watching the swinging of the club and the, and the pounding of the little white dimpled ball. Don't talk it here. So... The only thing I'll tell you, it's Europe against the USA. Let's get it on. But what I want to talk about is something that I think is a horrible misstep in the game of the NFL. And that is this new taunting rule that's going on. And there were some big, 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 big penalties thrown this weekend. Uh, I was watching the Seahawks game where a guy jumps up after uh, preventing a a, a long bomb from being uh, caught. He jumps up to celebrate and to freaking really show, you know, because there's nothing worse than a guy being on the corner on the edge himself. He jumps up to celebrate and he gets a flag thrown in his direction for taunting. 
Now, I understand if you're standing over a guy and yelling at him and putting your hands in the guy's face mask. That's one thing. But these taunting calls, these referees have too much on their hands as it is that they can't, they don't know what's going on half the time, let's be honest. They, they, they need to leave that laundry in their pocket and understand these are grown men. And if you want to shut somebody up, you beat them. You either beat them by a catch, you beat them by juking them, you beating them by scoring a touchdown, or you shut them up by knocking the ball away from them, crushing his freaking vertebrae in a hard tackle. That's how you shut players up. That, it's a man's game. And them doing this type of stuff, and you have a bunch of people and owners. The, I know the, the one of the owners of the Giants, the Mara family, had a big, big say in this where they nobody wants to see that. Nobody wants to see this taunting. Well, I don't know what game he's talking about. Everybody I've talked to loves it. So owners who have never made a tackle except for a woman in the boardroom or a secretary, stay out of the way of the game. Drink your freaking cognac or, or Johnny Walker Blue up in the press box, but stay off the field and stop saying, we think we know what our fan base wants. You don't. You get it wrong all the time. You don't know what the fans want. Your luxury liners, your, 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 your tier one little jet fighters that you fly around from place to place, your oil rigs, all of your stuff, you're not in touch with your fan base. Throw this penalty in the garbage. Just like this penalty of if, if a quarterback is barely touched, that it's a penalty. Throw them away. You're losing fans. You're losing the integrity of the game. The NRL is fighting that right now with players laying down, grabbing their necks, acting like they're injured until they get pissed off and then they jump up and charge the, another player. You cannot become soccer. That's what I'm trying to say. I'm sorry, soccer fan. I had to call you out. There's nothing worse than seeing a grown man acting like he's been shot by a sniper rifle, rolling around on the ground like he's starring with Dolly Parton in the best little whorehouse on Texas. It's ridiculous. And we can't have that. We can't have that in football. We can't have that in the NRL. And you don't. You definitely don't get it in the AFL. That's one thing you can say. The AFL gets it right. Man's game. Unless a guy is staggering, he's not coming off the field. So NFL, please get rid of this pompous rule that you have on this taunting. It's ridiculous and it needs to be stopped. So there we go. I end this week's episode of Outside the Sheds standing tall on my soapbox and telling you how it is. That's how we play it here. And I'm so happy you got to join me for it. But Shedheads, make sure you watch these matches. We we start off this weekend that's going to be beyond an exciting weekend with the Warrington Hall KR match tomorrow afternoon. I think it's starting at 1 o'clock uh, Central Time here. We start and chase that with, excuse me, what am I saying? Stop that. Erase this last thing. We started with our match at 4.30 this morning between uh, the, the, the Sea Eagles and the Rabbitohs. We chased that with the 1 o'clock of Warrington Hall KR. We followed that. We chased that with a shot of Penrith and 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 the storm and then we we finish it with dessert with the grand final and with me 
because of my, my a good friend Dazzy in Brisbane with me pouring myself probably uh, my last pour of my Johnny Walker Blue. Okay, I, I make myself sound like an NFL CEO. My, my last glass of Johnny Walker Blue for the grand final. D's, dogs, let's go. So there you go. I just gave you your weekend. So get your, get your no-dos ready. Start stretching now because I know a lot of you haven't done a walk in two years. Let's go. Let's make this happen. Shedheads, I enjoy this time with you. I love you guys dearly. Until next week, stay out of trouble. Don't get caught. Let's get fired up. This is Corey Jackson. You've been listening outside the sheds. See ya. And that was another fantastic episode of Outside the Sheds with Corey Jackson talking all things NRL, AFL, and all things sports. So please remember to smash the subscribe button and share this with your family and friends and show them what Australian sport is all about.